0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age various by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources.
1: We've got a ton of questions coming up here that, that have come down the pike and I'm going to try and blend some of them together. Uh, this is a text from our good friend Terrell, uh, he's, he's called the program a couple of times and, uh, it's good to hear from him. He texted in a little bit ago. Um, basically it was, it was kind of a question co- uh, comment, but I want to, I'm going to add something else that I've been asked a lot about this week onto this. He says, he's very happy. He says, I, I just love how the first and second, uh, the the first, second, third guys are stepping up and Marvin are playing talent over some of the events. I, th- I think he's talking not only about the draft picks, This year, but he's also talking about you know the depth in terms of first first string, second second string, third string. So talk about that. But I also want to talk on the flip side. There's been some kind of polarity in terms of John Ross. Uh, He you know nice nice game I guess in the first first week uh, had the touchdown catch. This week he had another catch, but he had a carry for minus yards. Uh, you know, he and Dalton still don't seem to be on the same page in terms of routes and all of that. They, they can't connect on a regular basis. Um, is this still, hey, talk about the depth, but also talk about in terms of Ross, is this, hey, it, this is still essentially his rookie year, let's be patient, or is this like, hey, drops and all that stuff?
2: That might be part of his game. Well, for starters, like, the reason why the Bengals – suffered so much this because their draft classes in 2014, 2015, they just flat out weren't good. So there was complaints about, you know, they're, they're playing vets over young guys. Well, the young guys weren't exactly good when they came out of the you know, The 2016 class, the entire class, sans Cody Core, I guess, looks really good for what, for what they do 2017 is looking about the same way. And now 2018 is looking about the same way too. So the talent is in, is in the younger part of the roster and that's basically what's playing. And I think that's, I guess a different mentality from what we've seen in the past and how they moved on from veterans, but they're definitely more relying on young guys because the young guys are finally starting to step up and they're actually good players and not like, you know, the, the, the other crap that they drafted from 2014 to 2015. And with Ross as part of that 2017 class, I think he's still, He's still he's still not all the way there, I guess, in terms of trusting his hands because he had those drop issues in training camp. He had those drop issues in the preseason, and now he's having you know just some a lack of overall confidence and just catching with his hands. And he hasn't gotten the most cleanest targets from Dalton on some of those slant routes and whatnot. But I I, I still think that he's just not all the way there in terms of his confidence level, in terms of his you know me- mentality and, and things like that. Um, he hasn't really had a lot of targets to, in the first place because of how well Green and Boyd and, and their and their tight ends have played so far so even even without Ross the offense is still you know moving relatively good and that, I think that's a good reason to kind of still buy into the offense because Ross hasn't produced and they still have put up you know almost 60 points of or over 60 points of offense in the first few games so the Ross issues are still concerning because they do exist. And he's still having some issues with his hands, but it's a long season and, you know, he's definitely in a better place right now than he was last year. So that's at least a positive.
1: Yeah. And I, I think, I think as the season progressed, this is still a young team in a lot of different areas, you know, and I think they intentionally yeah. did that. Uh, you know, they, they shed a lot of veteran guys this offseason. Chris Baker, Georgia Loka, Brandon LaFell. Um, I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. And, to get to give way for you can say Michael Johnson, but Michael Johnson came back, (laughs) Um, but they gave, they gave the chance to, and luckily um, unfortunately it was because of an injury mostly to Michael Johnson, but Sam Hubbard came in and he played very well, uh, had far more snaps on Thursday night. He played well. Um, So you got, you got to like that. You got to like the depth, especially at wide receiver Ross Ross withstanding and not withstanding. Um, because he's got the potential, but Tyler Boyd is stepping up big time. Uh, A.J. Green, the fumbles are really bothering me, but he's got four touchdowns in two games, so whatever. Um, Yeah. You know, (laughs) it's like, okay. Uh, So you got to like some of the depth in in some areas on this team that maybe lacked a little bit of it last year, or if they had it, it didn't really – always come to the surface. So you got to like that a little bit. Um, another one that's just kind of a general question that we've been uh, talking about. And I meant to talk, kind of talk about this in the opener and I don't think we did. Uh, and if we did, I'm sorry, it's been a long week and I am dog tired, but I want to talk, I want to talk about the relishing in the Steelers drama. Um, I, I don't think we really talked too much about it. We took, cause we got onto the Mike Mitchell thing and we got on. So in case you haven't noticed the, the Steelers are a zero one and one. Very, very easily could have been 0-2 with a loss to the Browns in the opening week. And they they lose this week to the Kansas City Chiefs. Their defense really let them down. Uh, Antonio Brown has been a drama queen, especially since this loss against the Chiefs on Sunday. Not only kind of making some obscure tweets and kind of pouting that day on Sunday, but did not show up to something on, I believe Tuesday. He didn't show up to film workouts or whatever. Then you've got the Le'Veon Bell drama and the offensive lineman talking about that. My, I guess my question here is, of course, I think as, as Bengals fans, we're sitting here going, yeah, we got it. You got it. Finally, they, they get the taste of the drama, right? But we've seen the Bengals have those problems, even though they have immense talent, And either they get to the playoffs and they fail, or they have high expectations and they fail. You know, remember the T.O., Adam Jones, all that kind of stuff. Um, Are the Steelers, I mean, I I would guess they are better well-equipped to handle this stuff and to be successful. But even for them and their organization, is this too much for them to handle? Yeah, I'm just sitting here on my porch.
2: <laughs> like That's the, that, the
1: the Kermit team, yeah. right?
2: The live action Kermit Jeff coming at you. Watching all this <laughs> it, it's fantastic because I think something that a lot of us Bengals fans know, but maybe the national perspective didn't know is that Mike Tomlin's not the greatest at managing his talent, and we've seen that from guys, you know, Bell in his early years, you know, with with the drug charges and whatnot. Now he's out partying in Florida, you know, away from the team with you know his name and lights in the club. Antonio Brown's threatening reporters to knock them out, you know, causing trouble on Twitter, not shooting up to meetings. Ben is, you know, still Ben is kind of deflecting blame. You know, the offensive coordinator is under, under fire. They're winless. They're facing a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that's lighting the world on fire. It, it, it's all great, and we have seen in the past that, they have been able to overcome some stuff as the season goes on because they are just a talented team. And for the most part, they have a solid coaching staff around Tomlin to kind of compensate for his lack of leadership issues. But this was a year that, you know, the more knowledgeable people predicted that we would see a regression from the Steelers. And we're not, sometimes regression will take multiple, you know, avenues. And sometimes it just happens to be that your team falls apart from multiple cancer cells infecting everybody else and you have a host body in Mike Tomlin who's not able to counteract this with, with any proper medicine so um, yeah the Bengals of, of old they would have these issues but obviously Marvin Lewis has enacted a more culture change they have some on the field issues with perfect but that's completely besides the point from from these specific issues but it's great and this this is about as good of a start that you could hope if you aren't a fan of the Steelers like we are
1: yeah i mean you look at gosh let's go let's go back to the the millennium uh the, the turn of the millennium to 2000 right that's one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen 11 12 13 14 15 16 17 18 years right and not including what's happened so far so 20 2000 through 2011 or 2017 excuse me the sealers have not made the playoffs not made the playoffs in a span of eighteen years. One, two, three, four, five, six times. So they've they've been in there twelve of eighteen times. Um, and the guess what? The, only one time of those six did they have a losing record. They were six and ten. Two thousand, they were nine and seven and didn't make it. 2006, they were eight and eight and didn't make it. By the way, they knocked the Bengals out of the playoffs that year on an overtime. Uh, uh, I think it was an overtime miss um, by Shane Graham or something like that. 2009 didn't make it. They were nine and seven. Thirteen at twelve and thirteen, they were eight and eight. So even when they're not making the playoffs, they are right there. Um, yep. That's with Cower, That's with Tomlin. Um, they, I despise almost literally everything about that franchise and their fan base, but I respect the hell out of what they do and how they win. They win, they win and they win big games and they went, they, they're physical, they win. Um, so that's why I think we can sit here early in the season and go, Hey, Bengals are two and oh, all right. And the Steelers are winless and a mess they, how many times have we seen them do it late in the season? They put a run together, they get guys back, and all of a sudden, you know, things are different. We've seen it a ton of times. I mean, heck, I, I can go back to that 05 season where the, the Steelers weren't even going to make the playoffs. They had a late run. Then, obviously, the Bengals face them. They injure Carson's knee, blah, blah, blah. They go on and win the Super Bowl that year. I mean, so it. I, I wouldn't count them. I guess the point is don't count them out be happy about it right now it doesn't look great for them right now i think you know some of their best players are are disgruntled and and other other good players are disgruntled at their best players um so they're they're kind of a mess right now but don't be surprised if about mid-season they figure stuff out and they go on a little run maybe even at the bengals expense unfortunately because that's what they do that's the Steelers, and that's what they do. So um, interesting stuff going on with the Steelers. We're going to get out of here in just a second, John. We had just – let's let's go with maybe, maybe two, at least one more quick text. Uh, Sam texted us saying, huge fan of the program. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. Um, texted a couple of questions, but we already talked about one of them. So let's talk about – uh, he wanted to know about Dray Kirkpatrick's play so far. I kind of mentioned it as a roller coaster. There's been some good, some bad, some bad calls against him. Um, I saw a dropped interception last Thursday that could have, again, I believe that it led to a Ravens score. Um, so that changed the game a bit. I think at this point, Dre is a number two corner. He's pretty good at it, and – that's the ceiling because he's going to give you some frustrating stuff, but he's got the height. He's got the length. Um, He's just rough. You could tell he he annoys receivers. I know that he annoys them because he, (laughs) he gets his long arms in there and he jams. You could tell he annoys them, but there are times where he just, he's like an inch away from a big play or, I think we mentioned uh, last year, at, uh, at the end part of last year, he was basically the most penalized defensive player in the NFL from 2015 through 2017. Um, so there's good and there's bad. And let me tell you, just by the way, there is some very good. If you go on Twitter, he, uh, he had a very cool pregame uh, thing on th- on Thursday night football where he was at a <laughs> a retirement home, dancing to some old school Snoop and Dr. Dre with uh, some ninety five year old ladies. Um, very very cool, and that's the kind of stuff you got to love. But as a player, ups and downs. Your take on it. You're that you're the film guy here. Your take on him so far in just two weeks in the season.
2: Dre is Dre. Like I don't know why, like. He's he's a quote unquote number two corner, but they leave him on one side. So teams, if they have a brain, can match up their best receiver, who can just destroy him on any any kind of route where Dre has to turn his ball, turn his back to the ball. He's very successful to giving up a catch because he just has absolutely, and I mean zero ball skills. The man cannot catch a ball, and that's why he's a defensive back. But th- there's a certain there's there's a definite difference between him and Jackson in terms of feeling the route, staying in a receiver's hip pocket and then feeling you know when that pass is going to come in at the top of that route and Jackson's able to turn his head around make a play on the ball Dre just kind of panics and just focuses on the receiver and then he puts his hands up too late and that's exactly what happened with the touchdown it was quote-unquote great coverage but it was also a, a perfect example of just tr- horrendous ball skills so he was he's always been the corner who was Best at you know facing the ball at all times, but he's also extremely suspect to double moves and off coverage. So it's kind of like the the you know what, what is the lesser of two evils here. So he he will he he'll, he'll have some good plays in terms of staying with vertical routes as long as he can turn his head and also have some you know biting on double moves and maybe some some unfortunate handsy plays and that one dropped interception against the Ravens he interfered with. John Brown with the receiver more than he interfered on the one that he got called on pass interference. So it, he's just such an inconsistent and up and down player that you just take the good with the bad and hope that, um, that, that the, the team doesn't have their best receiver going up against him for most of the game. Because again, he doesn't fall or William Jackson doesn't fall around the, the top cornerback. Dre, Dre is just, there on the left side of the defense and whoever he goes up against, he goes up against.
1: Yeah. Dar- Darquez Denard has had a, a pretty nice start to the season. He's had a couple of, of issues in terms of uh, some plays being made on him, but I thought he played pretty decent last week. And, uh, you know, he's been, he's been uh, doing, doing some stuff. Um, I, I, I guys, I am getting calls. I'm getting all kinds of stuff. Unfortunately, we're just, we're just running real long. We started a little later than we wanted and we're running long here. So we, we got to get out of here. I'm just going to get out of here with one final question and then we'll do our final thoughts and get out of here, John. Um, and I'm going to kind of spin on this. Um, this was from somebody in North Dakota. It says who day from North Dakota. Um, and, and it goes back to something I said earlier in the show about Andy Dalton and his, 31 touchdowns, nine interceptions under Bill Lazor. Uh, basically, uh, this this texter said, "What do you think about Dalton being third in touchdown passes in the last 16 games?" Um, also, very high in quarterback rating, uh, averaging three touchdowns a game so far in two games. Your thoughts on his play? Not only under Lazor, we talked. You know, we talked a little bit about that, but is he? Is this? Sustainable is this? Is this Dalton and Laser relationship is that building something kind of like what he and you had, where it's sustainable and for the most part he is going to be lights out um, for the majority of the year? Or should we still expect those Andy games, those bad Dalton games um,
2: or bad Andy games
1: going forward, even though he seems to be very comfortable in this system?
2: Yeah, so I just kind of don't know at the moment because we could expect those those bad games from him against common opponents but like we mentioned earlier that whole narrative has flipped upside on his head and now it's the games that are against uncommon opponents that we have to worry about but again logic would state that a team that you don't play that much you know they don't they aren't as prepared for you as like a divisional opponent so it always was just who he plays that was really indicative of how he was going to play but now we don't really have that metric supporting us so how he plays on a week-to-week basis, it just really depends on if the protection stands up and if Laser continues doing what he's doing. And what he's doing is is something great and something that we saw from Hughes. So, is it sustainable to the point where he will keep on his pace and throw for only like eight interceptions and forty touchdowns? No, um, I think he'll he'll be on a slightly lesser pace than what he was going to finish with in twenty fifteen, and that was still with a very high passer rating. I was still with a very high um adjusted net yards per attempt as long as he's not getting sacked um those demons in terms of his internal clock won't be that big of an issue as long as receivers are are getting separation quickly where he can get the ball out it won't that that will still be a good thing to do as long as his receivers don't you know drop dead from injuries everything's going right and as long as things stay the same i don't see Dalton you know drastically dropping in terms of efficiency but again the season is long and teams will adjust and maybe the Ravens will come back with a different game plan and, and get him more rattled early on. So it's it, it, I guess it's just to wait and see. But I like what it, I like what we've seen so far, and that's basically all we can say at the point.
1: Yeah, and, and in terms of Dalton and Lazer, there's, there's been good – there's been mostly very good, but there's been some – and what I mean by that is slow start against Indy. Then you kind of say if you want to call it second-half adjustments or whatever – some nice nice things there. Yes, the defensive touchdown basically iced the game. But started playing better in the second half. Opposite deal on Thursday night. Got off to a red-hot start and then kind of crawled into a shell in the second half, which allowed the Ravens to, to come back a bit. So that worries me a little bit. But yeah. I, I like the dispersal of the passes. You know, I mean, he hit Uzama, Croft, and Eifert last week. Uh, he hit Geo. He hit Joe Mixon. He hit Tyler Boyd. He had AJ Green. He had John Ross last week. I, I mean, a lot of guys. I think nine guys caught passes last week, which was uh, against the Ravens, which was awesome. Uh, he dispersed the ball pretty well in the first week as well. So I like that. So yes, AJ Green had his three touchdown catches, but it's not you know fifteen catches for it's not all AJ AJ AJ. There's there's other yeah. stuff and other contributors going on. And I like that. Um, AJ, yes, is the focal point of this offense and the passing offense should go through him. But um, obviously they've got Eifert back and kind of on a pitch count and they've got some other talented guys. Boyd is stepping up big time. So you got to kind of like a lot of what's, what's kind of going on there. And uh, a lot of the, the dispersal of passes going on there. So uh, that's going to do it in terms of listener questions tonight. We appreciate all of that. You can get in touch with this program uh, live every week via YouTube on the, on the chat. Uh, we, we're live every week. You can also get us in the Cincy Jungle chat or on our Orange and Black Insider phone line, text, or call. We didn't take calls this week, just text, but we appreciate it. We were kind of short on time and we appreciate all the questions. You can also get this program on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, and the Google Play app. And all of our stuff is on CincyJungle.com. We appreciate all of the support and all, all of the subscriptions. Check it out. And if you like it, tell a friend.
2: I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.
1: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work